Calvary, it is always, always, always good to be with you guys. Um, I was with you guys about two years ago, but I was with your pastor and, and Dylan and a few others just a month ago, just down the street. So it's always, always good to hang out with my brother, Otis. Uh, it was a treat because I thought Stacy was going to be out there keeping him straight, but it was a treat to see her when I walked in tonight. So thanks for letting me come and serve you tonight. I've already been blessed just to be in your presence, uh, to just worship our Jesus with you. And so thank you for letting letting me come and share the word tonight um, with you. And so I just want to say, man, we are in an incredible season, are we not? I mean, this is just, it's just it's an exciting season. It's, it's an incredible season. It's like, it's like an electric season, you know, that we're in. Uh, I believe the season is called college football season, right? That's what I'm talking about, right? I mean, this is the South, baby. Okay, like we, we do college football down here. I mean, I'm from Tampa. We don't have a good football team down there, unfortunately. Uh, but but I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I belong to the Gator Nation out of Gainesville, Florida. Um, I know it's, it's... Really? That's how it's going to be. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, all right. Hostile crowd. Okay. Turn with me to Leviticus. Um, <laughs> I got, I got saved. I met Jesus in Gainesville for a long time. I was walking in darkness. I was a Seminole fan, okay? And, and, it, no, I, and, I, and I got saved in Gainesville, Florida, May 5th, 1995. And then it was Tebow, Tim Tebow, who, who kind of brought me into the fold. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, but here's the deal. So I don't know if Pastor Otis told you who I am, if you don't know me, but we recently left Citrus County summer of last year and went to Tampa and planted a church. And so I get the distinct honor and privilege of serving as the pastor of the Root Church of Tampa Bay. And so we meet at University Mall on Saturday nights from five to six. We right there in the food court because why not? Okay. And, and, and so it's really cool. Um, God has just been sending all kinds of people to us. We've been serving. Um, we, I mean, we, we're, our church is in um, kind of a tough part of town. I'm just going to hit it straight with you. Um, one of our ladies from our church says, why are, you gonna, why are you putting your church in that mall? And I said, I said, well, that's where Jesus is needed. You know, there's not a church around. And so, we, so we've been there. We're, man, we're attracting, you know, we've got a couple of um, ex-cons who are coming to church. We've got, I mean, we're just reaching out to some sinners. I mean, there's brokenness. There's uh, crime. There's divorce. There's just all addiction. And God is just sending all sorts of sinners to us, including Auburn Tiger fans. And that's the one. I don't know what to do with these people. Okay, we got, we got not, not one, but two families coming to our church who are Auburn fans. And so Auburn is playing Florida this weekend in the swamp, okay? So I need everybody to be interceding from my gators, all right? I've, I've already reached out to these two families and said, listen, I love you. I love you. But if your tigers beat my gators, your tithe is going to 12%, I'm just saying, okay? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just letting you know. I'm just breaking it down to you, letting them put it out there. But no, I do. I love college football. There's so many awesome stories. There's so many awesome young men uh, that, that are a part of this program. And um, I just love it. Like, 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 for example, Derek Brodus, the story of Derek Brodus. I don't know if you've ever heard of this young man. He was the, he, he was a, it, November 6th, let me just take it, November 6th, 2011. It started like any other Saturday for this young man who's a diehard fan of the Tennessee Volunteers. So right there in Knoxville, Tennessee, oh, Rocky Town. He started his afternoon the way he always does. Six o'clock, he turns on the TV. He lays out some snacks there in his little frat house, and he jumps on the couch. 
Because it's time to watch the game. And so he's got the TV on, he's got the snacks laid out, his friends are over at the house. But here's what's interesting about Derek brought us on November 6, 2011. He's not going to watch this particular football game on the couch in the frat house. No, no. He's going to watch this particular football game in pads on the field. 6.10 p.m., cell phone rings. He picks it up. One of the assistant coaches, frantic, says, Derek, where are you? He says, Dude, I'm, not, I'm at the house. I'm, that's where I'm supposed I'm always at the house. He says, listen, we need you to put on the pads. We got some cop cars coming to the frat house right now. They're going to give you a police escort to the stadium. We need you here pronto. And he goes, what, what do you need? He goes, well, you, you know, he's the third string walk-on freshman kicker. He's... He's such a nobody, he's not even listed on the depth chart, okay? He's a nobody. And so he goes, whoa, 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 coach, coach hold on a second. What are, you ta- what are you talking about, man? He goes, what about Michael Pilardi? I mean, I know he's our starting kicker. He's, a, he's out, he's injured list. But what, Chris Rome, I mean, Chris is our guy. He's the backup. I mean, what happened to him? Listen, listen, Derek, we were doing warm-ups, and Chris pulled a muscle. We don't have a kicker right now. The cops are coming for you. Which is, I guess, the only time you want to say, the cops are coming for you. They're going to bring you in the squad car to the stadium. We need you here by 6.30. And so, okay, all right. And so some of the coaches had said to him, what are we going to do, man? Chris is out. Michael's out. You've got to get Derek. And of course, you know, being a young man on the college campus, like, well, you know, sometimes young men on college campuses are not exactly sober, on a Saturday evening, right? So Coach Derek Dooley said, I don't care. A drunk kicker's better than no kicker. You get Derek brought us here. So the cops went out, they got him, threw him in the car, shoom, across campus, across town, got into the stadium. Not only was Derek brought us sober that Saturday afternoon, he was in rare form. Coach put him in. He was starting kicker. He made all three point-after attempts for the touchdowns. And then right before the end of the half, he booted through a 21-yard field goal to put the Vols up 24 to zip at the half, which would actually be the score at the end of the game. So the Volunteers won a game at home with a backup, backup, on-the-couch kicker. <laughs> for his efforts, Coach Dooley gave him the game ball in the locker room following the competition. Can, just, can you put yourself in Derek Broaddus' cleats for just a moment? Can you pretend, can you go, what is it like to get that phone call from the coach? I need you, I need you right now, and I, bro, I need you at your best. Are you in? And Derek Broaddus said, absolutely. Okay, so now church. Now Calvary, let me ask you a question. Can you imagine God saying to you, hey, hey, sister, listen to me. I want you. I want you right now. And I want you at your best to go share the gospel of my glorious son, Jesus Christ, with that person sitting right over there. I need you to get right now and walk across the restaurant. I need you to get right now and walk across the cul-de-sac. I want you right now at your best to be faithful to my son. Are you in? You see, here's what I came to tell you tonight. Is that as the people of God, with a harvest 
upon us. Amen? I mean, that is what we're going to be calling the event at the end of this very month, right? We have a harvest upon us. I believe, uh, your pastor believes, and has asked me to come share a message with you about you being faithful at any moment to be willing to help someone cross a line of faith. To help someone cross. Watch this. This is, this is what's on the line with Jesus. It's darkness and light. Let me put it in more graphic terms. It's death and life. That's what's hanging in the balance in our faithfulness to Jesus. I want you to grab your copy of God's Word. Flip over in your Bible to Acts chapter 8 if you've got a copy. I'm going to put it on the screen, but I just always believe you should be holding God's Keep me straight here, church. You know, make sure I'm, I'm reading the right stuff here. Make sure I'm teaching the right thing because it may be going to underline some things here. So grab a copy of God's Word. As you're flipping over to Acts chapter 8, let me kind of set the stage for you. So Jesus has come. Jesus has preached. He's taught. He's healed. He's performed miracles. And, and, and for all of that, our best response was to nail him to a cross and kill him. Okay? So he went to a cross in my place, in her place, in his place, in your place, in their place. He died. And then he was put in a borrowed tomb. He wasn't going to need it very long. And on the third day, just as he promised multiple times, he rose from the dead. He spent days with his people, his disciples, encouraging them, teaching them, edifying them, preparing them. And then, and then he ascended to the Father. He ascended and he took his seat on the throne next to his Father, okay? And so before he did that, his last words on this planet were, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, where they hate you. And to the othermost ends of the earth. Everybody got it? Say, got it? We got it. We got it, Jesus. And let me tell you something. These cats went crazy in their obedience to Jesus. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you've ever spent time reading the book of Acts. We planted our church on the book of Acts, okay? This is, this is the, we, we want this church. Like, I didn't name my church, okay? Some other people in our church named our church, and I think we did. But like, if it was up to Pastor David, I'd have called our church Acts Church or Ancient Church because this is the kind of church that I want to be a part of right here. This is the, Peter stands up one morning, preaches a little sermon in downtown Jerusalem. Thousands of people meet Jesus. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Never happened to me. Thousands of people meet Jesus because of one sermon. And then they, they, uh, a few lines later, a few lines later, Peter and John are walking up to the temple. And they, in the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, they heal a man who's never walked before. And then that just gives a, t- a moment like, how did this happen? Glad you asked. Let me tell you about Jesus, the one that you murdered. I think I love Peter. He can, he can call people murderers. And then lead them to Jesus, okay? Like, I love that, you bunch of sinners. Um, so so this, is, this is the kind of stories that's happening. These men and women, these, these radical, blood-bought, sold-out, totally committed disciples of Jesus Christ have been going to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, where they're hated, to the uttermost ends of the earth, talking about Jesus, being his witnesses. And that's the story I want to share with you tonight. One of these men... His name Philip. Philip was chosen. Philip was called. Philip responded. Listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say through the Apostle uh, Luke's pen, uh, the Luke's pen to us about the Apostle Paul uh, and, and Philip um, here in the book of Acts. Chapter 8, 
Verse 26. That's what God's word says. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now this is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. Let me read that part to you again. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over to that chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the, and the, and the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Ooh. That's just a good question, isn't it? That's a good, woo, you have, oh my goodness. So then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more, but he went on his way rejoicing. I love this story because I just love how how Philip responds to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, how, how he's just so obedient. I, I think there's some things that Philip does in this passage that you and I need to do right here in Citrus County, right down there in Tampa Bay, to be obedient and to see the same kind of outcome, to see the same kind of outpouring, to see the same kind of fruit being born out of God's sovereign power. So I just want to share three things with you that Philip did that I think you should do, that I'm going to try to do, all right? And we're just going to try to be obedient as we come into this season of harvest. Number one is this, that Philip followed every prompting from God. He followed every single prompting from God. Um, there, there's this, he says, listen, get up, go down to that Gaza road. You know, the road down there in the desert goes down to Gaza, like that Gaza that you hear about on CNN and Fox News, that same Gaza. Like it's in the middle of nowhere, okay? So go down, stand there at the crossroads, and just, just wait for me. It'd be kind of like, I was thinking like, what would it be like for, for, for me to say, like if the Holy Spirit would say this to you, it'd be like, all right, go down to that road that leads over to Istachata. Like, do you even know where Istachata is? It's in this county. There's a road that goes there. Like six people have taken it, okay? In the, in the entirety of human history, six people have been to Istachata. I can't spell Istachata, okay? I can barely spell Gaza. But the Holy Spirit says, listen, go over to that desert road. Go over to desert road, the one that goes down to Gaza. And I love this. So he just rose and he went. And he gets there and he says, listen, listen, see that chariot over there? Go up to that chariot. And love again, he's just, he's just obedient. He follows every prompting from the Lord. He just, he runs over to the chariot. I mean, it's kind of like saying, go over to that road that leads down to Istachata. There'll be a 19-year-old girl named Brittany driving a, a Toyota Tercel, and she'll be texting and driving. 
because she's a 19-year-old girl named Brittany. I want you to go up to that car and I want you to start telling her about Jesus, okay? That's essentially what the Holy Spirit tells Philip to do. And so as he approaches, what he sees is there's an Ethiopian eunuch, a servant in the court of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, who manages her checkbook. We're talking about a big shot. He's not the biggest shot, but he's a big shot down in Africa. And, and God says, listen, I want you to go and I want you to minister to him. I want you to share with him. There's a lot on the line here. You, you getting this? There's a lot on the line. Let me spell it out for you in case. Let me just, let me just pretend that you don't understand what all is on the line. Firstly, there's a dude up in this chariot who's created in the image of God who does not know God. His soul is on the line. Everybody tracking? This man needs to hear the gospel of Jesus. That's it. If it was only that, it would be crucial enough for Philip to be obedient. But think about this. Ooh, this is where, this is where God, ooh, this is where it gets good. Is what if this man was to hear the gospel, this Ethiopian? What if he was to hear the gospel, repent of his sin, receive Christ, be born again, be completely and utterly transformed, and then take the gospel back home with him? We're talking about the gospel for the first time hitting Africa. Are you seeing what's on the line here? I don't know, maybe you struggle here. Maybe you go, I don't know, man. Pastor David, that would not be easy to shrug off. Because I, I think there's a lot of Phillips and a lot of Philippeses in the church today who kind of get this call and they go, mm, ah, Jesus, I don't know, you know. Like, like, think about it. You got a guy named Philip. You got a guy, we don't even know his name, but he's from Ethiopia. Maybe it's just easy to shrug this one off. God, he don't look like me. We got different tone of skin. We probably, I mean, we speak the same language. We don't have the same native language. I got this set of beliefs. He's got that set of beliefs. We're, we're, we're a bit different. Why don't you get somebody else, God? I mean, maybe it's such that it's kind of like a New York Jet and a New York Giants fan. I don't know. Maybe it's even worse. Maybe it's like a New York Yankees fan and a Boston Red Sox fan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I think we've touched the nerve over here on this side of the room. I, I, I don't know, but, but it'd be easy to shrug off. It'd be really easy to shrug off. Like, I don't, no, God, I don't know how to deal with those people. No, God, I'm not really called to those people. God, I don't, I've never had any training in that. How, anybody in the room ever have training about running down a chariot? Okay, yeah, you just be obedient to Jesus, right? Okay, so he goes, and it's easy to shrug off, not just because he's a different kind of person. He's an African. He's an African man. But, but remember that part I read to you? Like, Jesus, I don't need to go talk to this guy. R remind me. Let me be the English teacher in the room for a second. Where had this Ethiopian eunuch, this servant, where had he just come from? What was he doing in Jerusalem, church? He was worshiping. He was, now Jesus, hold on, Jesus, I don't need to go tell him about you. He was just up in Jerusalem worshiping you. I mean, he got this all figured out. Can, can I just tell you, um, there's a lot of people probably, unless your church is just exempt somehow, there's a lot of people standing in your church parking lot Sunday after Sunday, year in, year out who don't know our Jesus, who have just come in. And I love your pastor, and he teaches the truth in a powerful way. 
But just like this Ethiopian eunuch, he didn't get it. He went to Jerusalem. He worshiped. He's reading Isaiah 53. Of all the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah drips with Messiah. You can't read Isaiah and not get Messiah. And he's in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. And he's like, I don't know who he's talking about. Hey, church, hey, Calvary, can we just... Maybe the church parking lot is the best place to be sharing our faith. Maybe the church parking lot, after they've come out of worship, is the best place to be obedient to God and witness for Jesus. Calvary, can we just agree on one thing? Can nobody go to hell from this church parking lot? That'd be a good idea, right? I mean, that'd be a good thing, right? So this disciple, this man who loves Jesus, runs up to this chariot. And I love what he does. Did you notice what he didn't do? He didn't run up and go, hey, bro, you need to repent of your sins. You need to be justified. You need to be sanctified. They're talking about glorification and the hypostatic union of Jesus and the Trinitarian doctrine of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, you know, all these other big churchy words. Like all these 17-syllable words that we throw around in churches. He didn't go up and start yelling at this guy. Did you see what he did? He asked a question. That question was, hey, man, you understand what you're reading? I see you're reading something there. It's pretty important. Do you understand what you're reading. And I love, I love the honesty of this Ethiopian servant Sansu. How can I understand unless somebody explains it to me? So let's move to our second point. The second thing that Philip did right that you and I need to do, Philip knew the scriptures and he used the scriptures. He knew the scriptures and he used the scriptures. In fact, let me put, the, 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 the passage that he was reading was Isaiah 53. We read it. I'm going to put it back on the screen here. It's the next slide over. This is what he was reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And, and then he's like, Phil's like, I know that guy. I know who he's talking about. I, I know this guy. All Philip did was just recognize Jesus. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back. This is not on the screens here. Let me just read, let me read the, 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 the paragraph right before what I just put on the screen here. This is what it says in verse 4, 53 verse 4. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Do you recognize Jesus in this church? That's Jesus. That's who Isaiah is talking about. And if you don't know that, we need to, let's talk about that. This is Jesus. He suffered for you. He bled. He died for you. He took and bore your penalty of eternal separation from God for you because of the punishment that was due you for your sin and me for mine. That's Jesus. You need it. So if you recognize this Jesus, talk about this Jesus. See, Philip, he knew the scriptures. And because he had this deep understanding and this practical knowledge of the scriptures, 
He was able to use them to lead somebody to Christ. Now, what that implies for you and I is that we need to know our Scripture. Mm. Did it just get uncomfortable in here? I don't know. I mean, it's going to get awkward for a moment, right? But can we be honest? I mean, we are in church in the presence of the Lord. Can we just be honest? Like we, I mean, the Church of Jesus Christ today, man, we're getting a little lazy on this whole Scripture memorization, Scripture studying, Scripture meditation part, aren't we? We get a little lackadaisical about this. We get a little bit of shrugging of the shoulders, like, ah, we'll get around to it. I'll make it up tomorrow. No, but we're not committed to God's Word. And here's the problem with that. If we don't know God's Word, I mean truly know God's Word, then we're not going to be able to use God's Word to help other people know the Son of God. I, 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 hear, this, I hear this all the time. People who want to share their faith and, and they're trying to be obedient. I love that. It's like, hey, you know what? What's your name? Rob? Rob, you, you know, you ought to you ought to repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus and you want to go to heaven? Well, sure, nobody wants to go to hell. I want to go to heaven, yeah. Well, you need to repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus. Okay, great. Where is that in the Bible? And oftentimes the answer is, well, it's, it's in there somewhere. <laughs> Just take my word for it, Rob. It's, it's in there somewhere. Uh-uh. Mm, no. I'm sorry. Let's say you bought an iPad. I mean, I don't own anything that's an Apple product. I don't have any I in my life, okay? Uh, but, I, but I know those things because they're like $17 trillion. So let's, you buy an iPad, and you take it home from the Apple store, and you unbox it, and it's got a big crack right down the screen. They're like, okay, that's $4 trillion right there. What are you going to do? You're going to take that thing back, aren't you? And you're going to stand in line because it's like 19 miles long. Stand in line, get to the head of the line, and be like, yo, I want my money back. And the little girl behind the counter says, oh, we don't do refunds. Well, you're going to do a refund for me. No, we don't do refunds. Why not? Well, it's in the fine print. You know what you would say next? Show me. Come on, church. We need to be able to show them in God's word what he says about our sin. We need to be able to say, this is what the Bible says about Jesus, his death on the cross, his, his burial in a borrowed tomb, his resurrection from the dead. This is what the Bible says about the life and the peace and the purpose and the mercy and the kindness and the generosity and the grace that he offers. We need to be able to show the lost this in God's word. They can see it with their own eyes. Philip knew God's word and he used God's word. You cannot use God's word unless you know it. So church, start digging. Get to busy on this. There's one other thing Philip did. Perhaps, I mean, all of this is crucial, but this may be the coup de grace. Philip acted immediately, okay? Did you catch this? God said, get up, go down to the Gaza road. What happened next? The very next line. So he rose and went. Ooh, that's good, right? Now run over to that chariot or go over to that chariot. See that chariot? Go over to that chariot. And, and Luke, the writer of Acts, tells us he ran over. He didn't sashay. He didn't mosey. I don't, I don't know the difference between those two words, but they're used often in the South. No, brother ran. He booked it over to the chariot. And he starts engrossing himself in conversation with this man who ultimately, as he finds out, needs Jesus. He didn't delight. Like, now, I'm going to speak not as, I'm not this husband. 
I've just read books about this kind of husband, okay? I do marital counseling in my church, and, and, and some of these husbands and these wives come to me and say, well, I told him six months ago that the dishwasher needs to be fixed, and he just keeps saying, I'll get to it, woman, I'll get to it, woman, I'll get to it, woman. We can't say that to God. Like, um, just, we, we don't get to say that to God. Um, you, you know what the Bible calls delayed obedience? Yeah, disobedience. You heard that one, right? Yeah, that's, we, we can't church that one up. Like, I'm going to get around to it, Jesus. Really? I got some emails to check, Jesus. I, let me, I'm gonna, I see my neighbor across the cul-de-sac. Let me just finish the backyard up, though, first, Jesus, and then I'm going to head over. Can I just ask you a question? Maybe the most important question I'll ask you tonight. Think about the story I read to you and then answer this question. What if? What if Philip had a delay just five minutes? Mm, just two minutes. He got out to that desert road just two minutes too late. What would have happened? No, no, no. What wouldn't have happened? I praise God. I praise God. I love this story. I praise God that we don't have to answer that question. What if Philip was just two minutes late? What if he was six minutes late? What if he was ten minutes late? What if he just hit the pause button on the Holy Spirit? Then this guy, we don't even know his name. We're going to all meet him in heaven one day. He would not be in heaven. He would not know our Jesus. But Philip was right on time. He wasn't five minutes too late. We don't have to answer that question about Philip's story. We cannot answer that question about Alila's story. Alila is one of the one plus billion people that lives in India, a subcontinent unto itself, second most populated country on the, on the planet. And Alila lived near one of the, the river Ganges, <clears throat> uh, a young woman, 24, 25 years of age, um, in this article that I read in your publication, by the way. And she had come to the river Ganges one particular morning because it was the river that the princess, the goddess Ganges lived in. And, and this particular goddess, you know, they got lots of them over there. L literally in the hundreds of millions of gods and goddesses. I'm not making that up. But, but she lives in the river Ganges. And so if I can come there, I can be cleansed of my sin. I mean, I got this funk in my life. I've got this pain and, and, and discombobulation in my family. I've got this grief and this weight, the despair on my shoulders. She doesn't know what's called sin. And, and so she's come to the river Ganges to be healed, to be lightened, to be unburdened. She's brought with her her six-month-old son. She's holding him in her arms. And there's people all up and down the shore. It's a religious time. And she begins to just walk out into the water. It's getting a little deeper with each step. Sobbing, heaving with tears and grief. Sorrow all over this young woman's life. Holding her about six, seventh month old baby boy tightly to her bosom. 
And with every step she takes, the water rises up on her small, frail frame. She's torso high, torso deep in the water. Uncontrollable grief. Tears all down her face. She's convulsing. And she takes that six-month-old baby boy and she does something that is confounding to your Western ears and hearts and minds. She takes that little boy and she throws him out into the river. M. Vargis is a native missionary to his own land. He was walking up and down the riverbank that day, and he sees this woman collapsed in, in just this sand and wetness and silk weeping. And he walks over to her, and he kneels down beside her. And in his language, her language, he begins to just ask her questions. What's your name? What's wrong? How can I help? Is there anything I can do? And she begins to tell him the story. And she says, my life is burdened. I've got all this baggage in my family. And so I came to the river Ganges today to appeal to the goddess to heal me, to forgive me. And I brought an offering of my son. And so I cast him as an offering out into the water to the goddess. What do you say to that? I'll tell you what M. Vargis said. <clears throat> Kneeling down there, he just began to point out Jesus to this woman. That's all he could do. And so right there in the sand on this bank of the river, Ganges, he ministers to her, he just encourages her, he shares the hope of Jesus with her, and he leads her to Christ. And as she's praying, when they finish praying, he's going to give her a Bible. Can I connect you to a church? Do you have any questions about what we just did? Yes, I have one question. Where were you 20 minutes ago? Hey, Calvary, I don't think there's a moment to lose. See, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm done tonight. I'm, 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 we're going to close it up. But here's what I think. I think in the course of these moments that we spent together in worship, that our gracious God has brought to your mind or brought to your heart or brought to your attention your sister-in-law or that neighbor or that co-worker or that granddaughter. Whoever that person is in your life who is walking so far from God right now, walking deeper into brokenness and despair. I'm just wondering, are you going to be a Philip for him or for her? I don't think there's a moment to lose. See, I don't want this Ethiopian eunuch story to turn into an M. Vargis and a Leela story. We don't need to be 20 minutes too late. We don't need to be two minutes too late.
If the Lord God Almighty is calling you right now, anything less, anything other is disobedience, church. Pastor Otis said that there's going to be hundreds, if not more than a thousand people on this campus at the end of this month if you're a harvest event. Man, I've been praying like, God, would you just... Would you just send somebody who's broken, somebody who's messed up, somebody who's addicted, somebody who's lost, and let them bump into Rob, let them bump into Peter. Like, let, let them just, God, let, let your gospel flow from your people. But I don't think we got to wait till the end of the month. I think, I, think, I, think, I think a phone call could be made tonight. Now, I, I think an invitation for dinner Friday night could be set up this evening. I need to talk to you about Jesus when we're going to do that. So church, here's what I'd like to do. I fully believe in cheating. I think we should pray. I don't want a fair fight against the devil. I want the power of the Almighty in our faithfulness. And so I'm just going to invite, as we kind of just play some music here soft, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward right now. Just wherever you are, just come forward right now. And church, if you're sitting here tonight... And there's a person that the Lord is putting on your heart or putting on your mind. And you've been praying about this person. You've been praying about this family. You've been praying for this soul. You've been praying for this heart, this beautiful life. And you just want some help in that? Here's what I, want to, I would encourage you to do. We're just going to pray together. You can just pray right where you are. But if you want some, like I want, I want somebody to pray with me on this. Then just Right now, start moving and just come forward and grab one of these servants and say, can we just pray for Katie? Hey, can we pray for Jeff? Listen, my husband's name is Ron. Can we just pray and just start moving right now? If that's you, if, if, if the Lord is just saying, no, 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 it's all about, right now it's all about Sandy. We got it. We're going to reach Sandy with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So right now, if the Lord is laying somebody on your mind, he's laying somebody on your heart, then come together in prayer. Get somebody, lock arms with them, and pray together in Jesus' name. Let's keep going, though. Somebody in the house tonight willing, because I know what Wednesday, first Wednesday night of the month at Calvary Church is. This sets up the month for you guys. Is somebody willing to be obedient and just pray that there will be a harvest this very month right here in this corner of God's kingdom? Would somebody just pray and say, God, pour out your spirit Let us just be obedient like Philip was. Let changed lives be found in the wake of our church and our ministry. As you pray right where you are, let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, there is not a God like you. There is not a God like you. We can't conceive, we could not invent a God who loves like you love. Almighty God, thank you for saving us, for calling us by name, and then not only changing our lives, but inviting us to join you in your rescue mission of sinners. God, there are men and women in this place tonight praying not just for friends, but for family members. They've been praying for years, God, maybe. God, would you, oh God, you're so good. Would October 2019 be the month? God, would you use Calvary Church? 
was used Pastor Otis, his family, this entire pastoral staff, these ministry leaders, these faithful women and faithful men to absolutely and utterly change Citrus County with the gospel of Jesus Christ, not for Calvary Church, but for the glory, Father, of your name, for your renown, Heavenly Father. Holy Spirit, blow in us again. Empower us, encourage us, equip us. Show us in the word what we are to say, what we are to speak, what we are to share. God, strengthen our hearts to be obedient. Heavenly Father, you have done it all. Father, you've done all the heavy lifting. You sent Jesus to die for us. And he did. The least we can do, Heavenly Father, is to talk about our King of every King and our Lord over every Lord. The one who has conquered death. He has robbed the grave of its sting and its power. So God, as we stand and or kneel in your presence tonight, send us forth, send us out in the name of Jesus, equipped with the power of his Holy Spirit dwelling within us so that Citrus County, so that Central Florida, and ultimately one day, God Almighty, the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the planet for you Jesus it's in your name that we pray amen